John Wojciechowski. The band is back together. What is going on? John is on a podcast with Brandon and Todd. Uh, welcome back, John. Thank you. We're like on the, the Kiss Farewell Tour that'll last uh, 40 years. <laughs> This is it, though. Like, this is the farewell. This is the farewell. You take 40 years to say goodbye. And then next year's the farewell, farewell. Uh, also, in none studio. of us going to live 40 more years. That's the that's the What? Farewell. What? <laughs> I take offense to that. 40 we're, more years? 40 more years? I'm going to be dead and gone. And no way. Yeah, if we're th- taking bets, yes, I would probably put you first. I probably would. You guys will be here, like, in 20 years telling the bear story about, you know, John getting eaten and... <laughs> There's this, you know, little scats with piece of John. It's because when you were like 85, <laughs> you picked up another sport, just something. <laughs> That's <random>. probably <laughs> what it would be. Yeah, because yeah. he's yeah. healthy now, and the way we're going, it'll be activity-related death, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thinking. most likely. I uh, tell people if it, just to jump into the cycle thing right now. You know, the way I will die is uh, getting hit on uh, Skyline Drive in the uh, Ogden neighborhood over there by uh, Shadow Valley. And which was, is that twenty five miles an hour? It's twenty five, but sometimes the driver, specifically in Subarus with the coexist sticker, can be a little <laughs> homicidal. <laughs> specific, very specific. Yeah, there. yeah. Are you yeah. guys aiming for the bicycles? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> They get they buy the Subarus from Young Subaru, and then they put the coexist sticker as a decoy, uh-huh. thinking, "Oh, well, this is a decoy." Yeah, yeah. it's people, because all those yeah. stickers they cover all the view, so you <laughs> save the planet yeah. stickers, yeah. and they can't see the bicycle. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see it. I put the coexist sticker right in my line of sight. <laughs> wow. Oh, John, welcome back to the studio. It, it feels really good that you're. It feels like we're whole again. Uh, you're you're here. Um, tell me, tell me about this whole gravel bike thing. Like you're actually, you, there's races that are meant, what is a gravel bike and how is it different from a mountain bike and a road bike? And why, why are the races significant? That kind of thing. Well, f- uh, first off, when it comes to John and riding bikes in general, I'm a sporting guy. Like I do it maybe for fitness. You know, I had my knee replaced and so I had to do something. And so I went and bought a gravel bike because I, uh, you know, I, as a runner on the Shoreline Trail in Ogden, I would always um, publicly and privately just always scorn the mountain bikers and it's like, man, this, <laughs> this trails for me and my friends and you guys are, you know, uh, yeah. make me move. But no, they're great. So anyway, point is, is that I don't know a ton about uh, cycling. I thought I could do gravel because I enjoy the mountains, but I don't really know how to ride technical stuff. So I'll just buy a road bike with fatter tires and I'll just ride up and down like Farmington Canyon. And that's what I started off doing. And then um, the story I told you guys before we got started is that, uh, you know, between Striders, my old running shop, and Zach Chatlin, Chatlin's uh, uh, Biker's Edge, uh, there is some friendly um, rivalry about, uh, you know, who's actually the better athlete, cyclist, or runners. And, you know, he has thought was uh, running is for criminals, and my thought was, well, anybody can ride a bike. I mean, you know, look at all the... <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the non-marathon looking bike riders. And so uh, I thought, well, I'm just going to grab a bike. I'm going to find a race with a lot of climbing and go try it. And I uh, went to uh, Beaver to do the Crusher and the Tusher. And uh, I was embarrassed with how hard that was and how much walking and actual 
running I had to do with my bike next to me. I mean, it was like I took my bike for a walk. So it's hard. So Was well, that your first race? It was, yeah. Oh my god. It was, yeah. It's it's like nationally known as one of the toughest races oh, in wow. the United States. Well, and John, you ran ultra races, so you ran races that are 100 miles in length, 50 miles in length. And so you're used to in the endurance sport. So what what was it about the crusher that crushed you? Well, I just got off of Hard Rock, right? Well, I finished Hard Rock in 2013, and you saw me uh, burn out at 2016. And so yeah. in 2017, I wanted to do like a Hard Rock-esque type of event and, you know, something I didn't have to go run or train a lot for. Or all I had to do was just go buy a bike. And that's what I thought that's all I had to do. You know, I mean, I'm a hard rock. That's literally all you have to do, right? <laughs> yeah. No. I did hard rock. I can do the crusher and the tusher. So, and what's, what's hard rock? Uh, hard rock is a hundred mile uh, mountain race in Silverton, Colorado. It's uh, it's either run on clockwise. Your, on your feet. On your feet. Oh. You could do it on your hands, but I would recommend. <laughs> on your feet. <laughs> but yeah, but so the, the elevation of hard rock is. is it's like 29,000 feet. Yeah. 29? 29 it's like running uh from sea level to the top of everest oh that's the vert but what's like your average elevation oh yeah it's like the eleven thousand. it peaks yeah. at the highest the peaks point. are around 14 and so you're i want to say the highest is uh handy's peak at 13, 13. something yeah, yeah so it's up yeah. it's up there yeah yeah, yeah. okay but okay. so you were humbled and that's good yeah yeah I mean, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying the cycling, the bike riding, and uh, I'm, I'm humbled that, uh, you know, the amount of effort. It takes just, if not more effort on the bike as it does, you know, running. So it's, it's tough. There, there's a lot of first. tech and, you know, figuring out tires and wheels and rims and chains. and. Are and you going to run again or are you sold like you're just going to stick with bikes now? I'll run again. You know, I still have uh, some unfinished business, both at uh, Hard Rock and Wasatch and the Bear. Does Hard, does hard Rock know this? Does the Bear know this? <laughs> oh, they both know it very well. <laughs> they all know. Kristen doesn't know, but uh, well, she, she knows. will. She it's, knows. This yeah. podcast is public. Yeah, so it's yeah. Okay. But in the meantime, you know, my two brothers have uh, gotten into mountain biking and gravel riding. So it's been a way to connect with them and, you know, have some family fun that, you know, doesn't involve Sawakaw. Do you think you can do, I mean, I've never run ultra, well, I did like a 50K, but I've never run ultras that were like 50 miles or hundreds. I don't know how, I've seen I've seen people who are older in their 60s and maybe 70s do it, but I've seen definitely seen 70s and 80-year-olds run marathons and stuff. Um, but what about bike racing? Are, are older people bike racing more now? I, I see a lot, James. I, I love your comments on this, but I tend to believe that, uh, like in ultra running, some of the, the toughest competitors in these events are your 50 and older, definitely 40 and older athletes. So, yeah. I mean, I don't go up and ask ages, but uh, I see some old uh, guys and gals out there, and they're certainly getting after it. And, yeah, so... I'm always impressed when um, I see people that I'm like that person not only uh, can walk, uh, but but is running an, an ultra race at their age or, or whatever. And, and it's, you know, whenever I felt bad for myself, and I did it mostly, I was in my 30s when I was doing it. And I'm in my late 40s. But I, when I was out there in my 30s and seeing these people, it was it's such an inspiration to see people. Uh, it really makes you like think, okay, I felt sorry for myself because I didn't train hard <laughs> enough or something, you know, and these people are crushing me. I also learned the, that 
slow and steady does win the race a lot of yeah. times so which is crazy yeah uh, you know at striders i always said you have seven years as a competitive marathon or road runner and then after that your body starts to break down or revolt and then you just retired ultra running because <laughs> <laughs> the dirty little secret there it's you know it's a lot of hiking moving fast in the mountains but it's not running like a marathon you know it's just not as hard but i did learn you know i've learned more through cycling that i did with running that nutrition can definitely help win races and that's did something you, did you bonk uh i i i don't know i tend i don't know if it's because i am older but uh i do tend to bonk more did tend to bonk more on the bike than i mm -hmm. did running and i don't know why if it's more of an anaerobic type of thing you know just the slow grind sometimes on a on a long uphill on a bike but yeah um, yeah, dialing the nutrition, and I wish I would have figured that out sooner, you know, when I was doing all the ultra running, but you know, that's, that's, do you have tips? What do you do? What do you do? Uh, well, uh, I, I, I definitely, you know, in ultra running, I'd always go into it with, uh, the thought that, you know, whatever I do, um, the day of the race or while I'm running, you know, when I'm consuming and calories, uh, but I never really paid attention to, uh. Uh, you know, my body is really not responding well to, uh, you know, all these 300 calories and yeah. an hour and I got to drink all this. But, you know, what I'm doing uh, lifestyle wise eating um, tends to do better. So I'm on the bike and, you know, I'm, I'm eating better. And um, I kind of I've read that book and I forget the author, but and I might get it backwards. But Sounds it, like it's going to be a good, solid reference. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll find it. But the title, if you Google it, it's uh, uh, feed, your, uh, feed Your Gut, Protect Your Liver. And, ah. yeah, just to sum it up, it's just eat real food, whole food. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, your body can go a long way just on, you know, burning fat or but you don't need to consume all these calories and, you know, crazy uh, science project food. Have you As you look straight across to our green room snacks, this is, yeah. For, yeah. Because this is what musicians <laughs> need. I ate yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff thing. on these ultras. Yeah. You know, you pull up and it was just like, uh, you know, the worst junk food uh, buffet, you know, at Hard Rock. You'd get there and you'd have stuff like, you know, bacon and beer nuts and licorice. and. I remember I did the antelope race once and mm -hmm. does hard rock do things where they just have raw like potatoes and they, they salt? do and they ha i remember they have a a soup that's really like a potato soup that mm -hmm. or potato and onion soup that was really good and satisfying and hot in the middle of nowhere you know so they do have some wholesome type things there but uh i mean just a lot of cokes and so you probably missed the best seller, uh, rum will get you there. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you read that? What's the name of your source? <laughs> Made it up, but it got me there. Yeah. So it's Brandon's Bible. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, cause you're, you're, you're very health conscious these days, uh, which is well, good. Well, and the reason is, uh, as James will attest to in biking, like it's expensive, it's an expensive sport and you're always just trying to you know, lighten your frame and it's yeah. easier to lose a few pounds and to go buy, you know, some carbon rims. 
So what race are you doing next, or what's on the agenda here? Uh, the next is with my brother Brad. We're going to St. George to ride the True Grit mountain biking race, and then my brother Michael and I are going to do the Wild Horse Gravel race in uh, Dale, Utah, which is out west desert. Mm -hmm. And you want, you're going to win. You're not going to just play right <laughs> the wolf joves don't play <laughs> i'm going out there to beat my brother brad and then i'm going out there to beat my brother mike <laughs> okay the rest okay. of the lineup is not so important yeah yeah, <laughs> that yeah, one yeah. are you the oldest i'm the oldest okay, yeah. okay yeah i'm gonna be 50 i'm gonna be 50 i'm gonna be 50 uh, uh, like eventually or this year no like in a few <laughs> weeks <laughs> how am i the old how am i the old one i'm the i old don't one know the are you the right oldest now. Because this past December, I just turned. Yeah. I Yeah, I never thought I'd live this long. This yeah, we didn't think yeah. you did or would. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised I as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I think you're going strong. I think what we should do really quick, though, Brandon, yeah. for perhaps those that haven't been listening to the show over the last 10 years or you know however long it's been, is just a quick flashback. And, and Brandon, maybe you can take us through a little bit of a timeline okay. of our history with uh, this gentleman, Wojo, right here. So, Wojo? Yeah. Yeah, Wojo, um, I was working at Gear 30, and he just walked Do in. Do we have a, a time frame? When was this-ish? Well, Gear well, was. Gear 30 opened in 2012, okay. and next to uh, Gear 30, uh, you opened Str when did you open Striders at that location? In uh, 2013. 2013. Yeah. So John was there about 10 minutes before he came over and said, Hi, I'm John. I was working at uh, Striders next door. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Uh, he just walked over and wanted to be on a podcast that we were recording one day. I think, I think that's how it goes, right? Like you, you just came up, we were recording and he's like, hi, what are you doing? What are you doing over there? Like, I'm going to be on your podcast. <laughs> it says it like that, which is hundred percent accurate. It's like, man, and the rest just Wojo, history. just John guy's a jerk. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> Hello, I'm John. I'm going to send it on the podcast. Yeah. And then we started a show. He's yeah. and then, cause he was great. He started, he's like, well, I want to do, I want to do my own show. And so we're like, yeah, he's like, I've okay. listened to your shows, which are all shit. And I really do want to start my own. On this <laughs> but I see that you got some of this gear already. So if yeah. you could. Yeah. Todd's which, always been the funny one. Which is oh, fair. oh 100%. Which, which is fair. So it was like, okay, okay, let's do that. And so he starts a show. It's called Mr. Goodyear's Neighborhood. And I have the poster and it comes up in my memories all the time, too, of when we had, we had Bill Allred. You had, you had Bill Allred on your show, which was a big get. And we had a party at the Gold Foundation. And I remember I drank way too many of those whiskeys in beer. I don't know what the hell that was, but <laughs> I was sloshed during that podcast. Yeah. Um, and But you had a good run there with Mr. Goodyear's Neighborhood. You, had, you interviewed some awesome people. Yeah, it was fun. Mr. Goodyear's Neighborhood, if you remember, uh, we named it after Miles Morris Goodyear, who was like the first mountain man to establish the area. And so the thought behind it was, uh, and we invited Bill on because I don't know if they still do, but on Next 96, they had the, uh, you know, know the people in your neighborhood, which is kind of a playoff of Mr. Rogers. So I thought, we'll just do the show and we'll just kind of interview, you know, prominent people in Ogden and, you know, have them tell their stories. And, you know, the, the, my evil plan was just to, help it gain some attention for striders we, you know we i didn't want to talk about running or shoes or the whole bit i just wanted to you know be involved in the ogden community and i thought well this is a good way to do it without you know being overtly you know come buy some shoes from striders i thought i'll just you know well you're good at evil plans i mean <laughs> you're you're i mean clarify the beginnings of like striders involvement your involvement with the ogden marathon 
Yeah, so Strider started in the late, and, you know, and uh, we started that in 2003, 2004, and my lovely bride, Kristen. You know, it's an interesting story in how that started. So uh, we opened Striders, and I reached out to the Ogden Marathon just to, hey, you know, we're open, and, you know, how can we get involved in the marathon? And at the time, the, uh, the marathon's always been owned by the city, but it was organized by an outside Salt Lake company, and the guy's name, I'm failing to remember, but... Anyway, long story short, uh, they, the, the city wasn't completely satisfied. You know, they were thinking bigger for the marathon, and, and uh, he was just trying to think of a way to pay his bills, right? This is the short story. The short story. It's <laughs> the long story short. Uh, I went to a planning Ogden Marathon meeting, and uh, they said, this is great. You know, we'd love to get a running store involved. Uh, who makes sense. Yeah. So I volunteered my wife, Kristen, to, you know, start going to the planning meetings. And, <laughs> you know, if you know my wife, Kristen, it doesn't take long before she's like the race director. And it didn't yeah, take long. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, she was she was directing the first versions of the Goal Foundation Ogden Marathon. And, you know, I'm proud to say she took her from, you know, a few hundred runners to a few thousand runners. I mean, she grew up from like 300 runners to 10,000 runners and added the half marathon and I did a lot of great things, and it was her idea to you know start the winter racing circuit and yeah the winter racing circuit which is coming up mm -hmm. is it still because because Striders is gone yeah Striders yeah. is now Fleet Feet yeah but uh, yeah I think that I don't know what they're calling it I don't think they're calling it the winter racing circuit you know we sold it to the Gold Foundation as the okay. winter racing circuit they changed it to the winter race circuit. And then, um, you know, we bought it. Big from, difference. Big difference. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, we bought it from uh, Kurt, and, uh, Kurt Black, Mark Jolly. You know, they were both former runners at Weber State, and they had stride racing. And mm. you know, they started it off as the Northern Utah Training Series, nuts. Mm. And then, uh, you know, we bought it from them, and then they went and bought the, uh, the first – a timing chip system and then we contract with them to time the races and it was a cumulative race thing we put it on the usa track and field circuit and it was a lot of fun we did it in the middle of the winter time we added all the hills in ogden and it was fun it was good times and i have another story about john i went to i went to snow basin one time to because because they were what was the meet well i don't know what the meeting was about but it was like they wanted to do a, a race up at Snow Basin, and the Snow Basin management at the time was not willing to lease the land or let the land be used by race directors because the argument was, which is still the case, it's like, okay, well, someone's going to pay $10,000 for a wedding. I don't want to have a race going on up here. I don't and, want to see yeah. a Porta John, you know. And, yeah, a Porta John and stuff. My, yeah. And John pipes up and he says something like, I'm just trying to sell shoes. I'm just trying to sell shoes. <laughs> I'm trying to sell shoes. And I, and I wanted, I want to do this race. And I was like, that man just trying to sell some shoes. <laughs> yeah. We were trying to put together and I still think it'd be a great course, but we were trying to start a race at the at Buse Trailhead, run up the Mount Ogden and then down through Snow Basin, uh, and down Wheeler, um, and then up South Skyline to uh, Lewis Peak and then down to the divide and then up to uh, ben Loman, and then down at North Fork. Park. You are clearly just making this up as you go right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of places. It's well, like, it's, so, like, it's only fifty miles. We could do an out and back, and it could be. You yeah, know. but do you think because I mean, Snow Basin's growing now, and there's the Forest Service? Is you, do you think something like that will ever happen in Ogden because of the current ownership of 
land and mountains and maybe stuff. maybe and i'm not gonna lie and i'll admit it i mean the reason i took that job at snow basin years ago was just to make some uh connections there and <laughs> yeah yeah you know, some goodwill and so I, I think it's possible i think it's possible yeah. for sure i think timing is right because you know a ten thousand dollar wedding at snow basin back then was expensive now it's a bargain so mm -hmm. i mean you're still gonna have to deal with that and you know that's primarily a lot of their summer spring businesses events and yeah. you know so i mean you know you time it right it could, it could happen so yeah it could happen okay. if anybody wants to uh put that race on i will certainly advise but uh yeah that's <laughs> yeah. they're a lot of work i'm not raising my hand that sounds like <laughs> no. a lot of work no uh i have a utah safety hat in here you want to give a little plug because if I remember right, when, when uh, you first came on uh, pitching your podcast, um, we sort of restructured, uh, became Bayonet at that time. I think it was part of your 10-year plan is your current <laughs> job. And so, Sell Striders, so, get fired, and then go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're pretty much checking off literally yeah. everything. Yeah, everybody. Yep, yep. And then well, president of uh, the Utah Safety yeah. Council. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, my weird career. So I, uh, you know, out of Weber State, I wanted to be a police officer and did the whole academy thing, and then Ogden City Police Department, and realized oh, I'm not going to be a very good cop at all. So far too nice. I think he's better <laughs> criminal to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are a bunch of rule probably followers. make, him, make yeah. good cops. Yeah. So I ended up uh, at I Omega. If you remember I Omega Zip yeah. Drives, I was their safety manager. You know, out of Weber State from 2000. Oh, it's in your blood yeah i was there in 1996 2003 and then when i omega started having you know business problems they laid me off and i took my ten thousand dollar severance package and i opened up striders with it mm -hmm. so the joke in the family is oh john you know he's like homer simpson the safety guy over there at the <laughs> <laughs> and then i started selling shoes and it turned into the al bundy thing you know and <laughs> feels like you're not getting the respect you deserve here. Yeah. 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 yeah 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 so, so anyway the, yeah just the right amount of respect. okay okay <laughs> Safety to shoes, and then uh, you know after uh, Striders, I I was kind of a bum for a while. I thought it was great, you know. We uh, lived in a van down by the mm -hmm, river in mm -hmm. uh, Sedona for a minute, and then, yeah, for real. Then yeah. I bounced around, and you know that was really the real reason why Mister Goodyear's neighborhood really wasn't sustainable. Is I just need to figure out the next phase of life, and I just couldn't commit to that. Yep. But yeah, and then I landed at the you know the safety council job, you know like you. I saw it on Indeed, and I thought, oh, yeah, I remember safety. Let's just you know let's put in for this and see what happens. <laughs> I <And> remember safety. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna hire me to be a president of anything, but yeah. So I yeah, I've been there for four years now, and you know we're a chapter of the National Safety Council. We do a lot of traffic school so if you get a specific type of citation from a uhp officer you'll come you'll come see john you know i do have a small question what what did a safety officer for zip drives consist of what what would what did you do for that yes. well yeah. we because i'm trying to think because i in a box somewhere i still have one of those zip drives right so i can I can understand the sheer safety of just not getting hurt on that beast <laughs> of a hard drive. <laughs> and the discs themselves no, were this big. Like, uh, oh you know, we used to build those, manufacture those drives in Roy. So there's several hundred employees that would show up every day and they would snap these things together or glue them together. And we had an R&D lab and with lasers and, you know, just a thousand different, in a warehouse and forklifts and just, uh, you know, thousands of ways to get hurt and killed. And so... You know, as I Omega grew from the Bernoulli drives to Zip drives, it went from a three hundred million dollar a year company to a two billion, and literally, it's you know, a big company. Months. Yeah. yeah. So, 
they they needed a safety person and um i was i uh, i was being mentored as the safety manager at clearfield job corps center that still exists what is it about you you think that you that you respond so well to that career path like to to doing that particular i mean is it is what do you think it is because we know you pretty well um but i'd like to hear it from you well i mean i i take pride in um I like helping people. It makes me feel better about myself. And, um, you know, I like helping people and cats. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> people tend to, you know, feel they the trust me. The people route pays better than the cat yeah, route. I think yeah. Does. yeah. People trust me and cats trust me. Yeah. I don't know why. And I'd, I'm really not, you know, a super fan of either one of them, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they tend to migrate toward me and just kind of purr and paw and, you know. It's got to yeah. be an attention to detail gig too, right? Like. Definitely, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I still remember. I still see people that I sold shoes to, you know, 15 years ago, and I still remember their size and the shoe it was. And I'll ask them, it's like, hey, you still running in the launch from Brooks? It's, you know, the ninth version now. How's that going? And yeah. I don't remember their name sometimes, but, you know, I remember the shoe size and what shoe. But you remember a foot. I remember a foot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never yeah. forget yeah. a foot. Did you ever fix those bunions? Or yeah, like, oh, yeah. Somebody's talking to you. They're like, my eyes are up here, God. My eyes are up here. You're just looking straight down at their feet the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bring it full circle because now we got a podcast at the Safety Commission. Yeah, so uh, the Utah Safety Council. We uh, Council. Yeah, council. Um, you know, we do a lot of, th- you know, traffic and first aid CPR and OSHA and MSHA and all that kind of stuff and you know, one of the things that uh, we needed to do is like just kind of solidify the community. And I thought, you know, I wish we could do the same thing we did at Striders because the podcast with Striders and Ogden really worked in getting us out there and establishing the community. And you know, I know we had some history at the marathon. We did some things in Ogden ahead of that. But the, but the podcast, even though we really weren't even talking about shoes and running and training and nutrition, we were just talking about the people in Ogden. It really helped. So I thought... Oh, let's try it with the Utah Safety Council. So uh, there's uh, the Utah Labor Commission. They have this workplace safety grant program where you can submit a grant. Like, hey, I want money for this project. So uh, I told the people around me, my board, that, hey, I'm going to submit a grant to the Utah Labor Commission uh, to have them fund the podcast. You know, they they don't pay for computer stuff or electronic equipment, but I think it could go a long way in telling the safety story and help save lives, you know, just, uh, you know, by telling the stories of people in safety that don't really get any attention. Right. And so I submitted this grant on a whim and they, they said yes a year ago. And so, uh, Brandon, you know, I looped him in right away and he helped this, uh, uh, acquire all the equipment because I didn't know what it was. And so yeah. he helped, you know, this is your shopping list of things you need to get. And, and then, uh, you know, I, in the grant I wrote, okay, we're going to need to, you know, have some sort of expertise, uh, you know, podcast engineer. And, and so that's how we, uh, you know, looped in the Banyan Collective is I really just wanted to flip a switch. Like I didn't want to try to reinvent stuff. So what I told them is, you know, there's people and businesses like the Banyan Collective out there that can just, you just turn them on and we can What go. did the uh, Safety Council do with all of those years worth of like training and like safety VHS tapes. Uh, <laughs> I imagine those were probably used right before the podcast was, 
was started. We still rent them out daily. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. In fact, if you go to the Kennecott Copper Mine, one oh, of the, I have no doubt. Of <laughs> you know, if you're a visitor, if you're going to work there, you have to go through this, uh, you know, uh, 24-hour class to get onto the mine. But if you're a visitor, just to take the bus to the lookout area, you got to sit in this room. You have to push in the VCR. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. We we God. have a and that's another labor commission grant. We every year we buy more DVDs and v, we still have a, several working VHS. VHS players. to podcast. Yeah. That's, it just yeah. skipped yeah. everything between. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, construction companies that, you know, do their safety briefings in the middle of nowhere, they just uh, pop in a VHS tape in the back of the truck or a DVD or, because they don't have like YouTube access. Yeah. You know? So yeah, they, you yeah. Know, they, they play a tangible media and yeah, so we still have them. You joke, but yeah. Just barely joking. I, I think yeah. there's always the truth behind the joke. No, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. John, welcome back, man. It's it's good to have you on a microphone, uh, not as part of the this the safe the safety council, but uh, with us. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.